Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. Bread of life. It's your favorite. Nom, nom, nom. (laughs) Elbow deep in a bag of Doritos. (laughs) Or apparently guacamole is the new um, Super Bowl food that's like the official Super Bowl food. I don't know how they determine those sorts of things. I don't know. I don't know. But that makes the official bread of Christian Jesus. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of fitting. Like that actually works. Yeah. I don't know that guacamole works. So guacamole. So I did a nacho bar last night. Made my own queso. Oh, so freaking good. And jalapenos and some pico, which I don't actually eat. And then some pulled pork. So we had pork barbecue nachos for the Super Bowl. Thanks and, for inviting me, by the way. And there was no guacamole. I was going to, and you're like, yeah, I got to work. Yeah, yeah well, I did. never mind. I did, I, yeah, yeah, I did. I had to work my other job. I had to paint. Happy, happy throwing I, paint on things. Yeah. I got, well, I got home just in time to see the Bengals um, score their, touch, their go-ahead touchdown that we thought uh. maybe was going to be like the turning point of the game right after halftime. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So anyway, there was a, there was we did have church. It wasn't just Super Bowl Sunday. We did have. <laughs> oh yeah, we had church and we had this whole bread of life thing going on. <laughs> yeah. So I, as Pastor Rebecca, kind of sort of alluded to, I just don't like that text, like in any way, shape, or form. Well, the problem being, as we discussed last week, the the, the problem with that text is that in the Revised Common Les- um, Lectionary, you have to do five weeks of bread of life and it's and it's overkill and it's too much and everybody's sick of it by the time you're done yeah yeah and i was sick of it as soon as it started not gonna lie so (laughs) like so this was a really strange week just like crazy weird busy week office wise so work wise and then in addition to that it was just um we had our we had confirm, used confirmation retreat, so working on sermon this week was just really kind of chaotic. Um, and this is this is, this is kind of what I learned this week. Um, I, this was one of those sermons where you write it and you finish it and you just go, oh, "This is not my best work." I'm just not like I wasn't I wasn't real thrilled with my sermon this week. And as always happens, is when, and as, always, as is always the case in those, that was a great sermon. Thank you so much, Pastor Chad. And really what it amounted to, I, I think, um, it was a feel-good sermon. It was. Right? So, and not that the gospel isn't feel-good, and not that other sermons aren't feel-good, but um, I don't think there was anything challenging in that sermon other than you know, to really examine, and I didn't even push that really hard, really to examine what we view as, as, as life-giving. So if Jesus is the bread of life. Right. Um, and and, and what, is, what do we mean by life? Yeah, and kind of, yeah. kind of juxtapose that to, you know, Super Bowl halftime commer- or Super Bowl commercials where, you know, advertisers are spending millions of dollars to tell you you need their product. Um, because it'll make your life better. And you know, I just got to say that Irish Spring one was really creepy and weird, and I don't... Which one? The Irish Spring one. I, I don't think Irish Spring will make my, my, 
my life better after that commercial. I, I must have missed that one. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, will, I will honestly tell you, I didn't pay a lot of attention to the commercials this year. Um, and the only two commercials I remember, um, one was the non-commercial where they just had the, uh, the QR thing float around the screen. Um, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Uh-uh. Yeah, there, 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 I, I saw something. I don't think I actually saw so that particular one, but we I actually, it. We actually had like a really, it was early in the, it was fairly early in the game. We actually had a long discussion. Well, it couldn't have been too long because it was during the, during the actual commercial. Scan it, no. Scan it, no. No, I'm not doing I'm, that. No, I'm not buying into that. I'm, they, they basically are trying to cop out of actually doing an ad and getting you to click on, like scan something. Ooh. I'm not doing that. So I, so I bailed, I didn't do it. Um, but Christina did, so, you know, I guess our household was in, was in on it. Um, I, so I remember that commercial. I couldn't tell you what it was for. It was, like, for some kind of cryptocurrency, which I don't even understand. And I remember the Doritos commercial. And it was a really good commercial. But the main reason I remember is because, you know, I referenced in my sermon that, you know, maybe this year some marketing genius is going to crack the code and I will discover, you will discover me at public at 7.15 this morning elbow deep in a bag of Doritos because Doritos um, are going to drastically improve my life. I was not at Public Six 715 this morning, but their commercial was fantastic. And I actually had a member of the commercial um, text me and ask me, essentially, are you going to be at Publix tomorrow morning? Um, and I responded back, probably not, but maybe we should sing that song in worship. Um, the animals were singing, ooh, baby, baby, um, which was kind of funny. Um, rest assured, I am not here this week. I'll be traveling, so we will not be doing ooh, baby, baby um, as part of worship. Um, so yeah, so bread of life. Uh, one of my frustrations with the text is it's very redundant. You know, Jesus talks in a lot of circles. That, well, that's and, Gospel of John. Right. Yeah, right. Gospel of John does yeah. that. And I'm more of a just, say, make your point and shut up. And John doesn't do that. Um, I think one thing that was really interesting in this text and didn't really work it in very much in the sermon, if at all, um, that, isn't that just Mary and Joe's kid? Yeah. Which we see in other Gospels yeah. as well. Yeah, where, um, where it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that, isn't, don't we know this kid? We kind of, we, we know his parents at least. What, yeah. and, and here he is claiming this kind of stuff. What's up with that? Yeah, what's so special about this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and when he, um, he showed up in uh, his hometown of Capernaum, not in the Gospel of John, this was in Luke's Gospel, but, you know, he shows up and, and says, you know, this has been fulfilled in your hearing, and they're all like, ah, oh, sweet, and then he says, yeah, you're going to say, physician, heal thyself, and I'm not going to do any miracles here, and they want to throw him off a cliff. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it's hard when people know you. Yeah, it is. It is. I, Which I, I, is part of why pastors are typically not allowed to become pastors in the congregations they came out of. Yeah. There's, there's kind of a, um, now there, are, there have been exceptions, but yeah. typically you don't get to go back and be the pastor of the congregation you grew up in. No, for good, and for good reason. For, and, exactly, because they know you. 
They well, know the, every little thing you did yep. when you were a kid. They know, you know, all the the shenanigans, and they don't take you seriously. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and the number of people who, when I said, "Hey, I'm going to seminary," were like, uh, "You're doing what? Are are you sure?" <laughs> like, uh. And then there were other people like, oh, cool, I'm going to come to your church. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, don't. Like, for two reasons. One, it'll ruin it for you, and it'll ruin it for me. Um, <laughs> I, I like that we're friends. Um, yeah, there you go. So, so, not part of the text this week, but part of the discussion um, in the gospel and in the sermon, you know, and we've had this discussion lots of times um, you and I have had it, I've had it with some other folks, and I'm sure you have too. You know, this whole idea of Jesus declaring, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and you shall have eternal life, which sounds like it's straight out of like the Twilight movies. Um, yeah, very, very vampire-ish. Very vampire-y. Midnight and, Massey. And, and what, do we, what do we do with that? And, and it's interesting, you know, verse 66 is like, and a bunch of people were like, yeah, no. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, out of my, here. That's my translation, of course. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's true. That's what, what happens is he has like 70-some followers up to this point because, you know, he's, he's got a lot of people that he, and he sent them out and, and things like that. And then he starts making these kinds of statements and people are like, wait a minute, that's creepy and weird and I'm not going to do that. It is creepy and weird. Yeah, because I don't think we really comprehend how creepy and weird it probably sounded. Um, it's not as creepy we and weird. Are so used right. to it. Yep, familiarity. Yeah, um, I, I know how often because um, I, I used to teach world religions over at um, Indian River State College, and um, there would be things people you know with other religions people would be like, okay, that's just really weird, and I would kind of go, well. What are, what, what's your background? Catholic, you know, whatever. And I'd be like, okay, so your tradition tells you to eat the flesh and the blood of your, your, your God. Well, and, and Catholics believe that the bread becomes Jesus' flesh. Exactly. And I'm the like, wine becomes Jesus' like, blood. So you want so. to talk about things that sound kind of weird and goofy. Yeah. You Check know, that box. Yeah. It's, we don't, we don't get to throw rocks in that department. No. Um, it's, we, we, we've got our own, own goofiness um, that we just are used to, therefore we don't think about it as strange anymore. And I, I sometimes am saddened by that because I think we miss out on a lot of, um, not just sometimes the creepiness, but the the awe and wonder of certain things that, that are, well, would have probably been for them very revelatory and, and life-changing. And for us, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's just what we say and do. Right. And I think we miss sometimes um, that element of it. So I think we lose a lot of the impact and the radical nature of 
what goes on in the Gospels sometimes because we are so accustomed to the language and sort of the insider talk that for us is commonplace. Yeah, the, the whole familiarity thing, you know, probably doesn't do, probably doesn't do justice. Right. I think that's true. Um, and we go, oh, well, that's, well, whatever. I mean, bread, body of Christ given for you, blood of Christ shed for you. Yeah, I hear that every week. It's familiar. Well, and when you think, It's weird. And when you think about the fact that this caused people to stop following Jesus, and I don't like to ever rip on any other um, denomination or anything, but when basically the Eucharist gets kind of watered down to, well, it's kind of this remembrance meal sort of thing, and we pass it around at the end of the service. If people want to take it, fine, whatever. Um, and, and there isn't, you know, in the Lutheran theology, we are a sacramental. We, we believe something is going on in mm. communion. We believe there is something mystical about communion. It's not just a um, remembrance. It's not just symbolic. Um, I remember when I was in, in seminary having this, this distinction made when we talk about something being symbolic versus something that actually accomplishes something. Because when, when something's a symbol, that means it's pointing to something else. It, it in and of itself is not doing the thing. Well, he, so and, he, and, and so we believe that, that the bread, the wine, yes, these are symbols, but they also in and of themselves are doing something in conjunction with the words and you know given for you so if we were to quiz pop quiz if we were to quiz oh poor marge oh yeah. <laughs> you um, quizzed her if we were to ask the congregation what communion was i don't know how obviously my questioning skills are lacking at the moment but if we, if we, said, if we said, to, said to our folks... What, what, what does communion mean? What does communion mean? Yep. I have heard m the overwhelming majority of the people say, well, it's, it's a symbol to remember Jesus or a symbol to remember forgiveness of sins. Which, so which by the, that rationale... Which, which the vast majority of Protestant denominations that is their definition of it yep. so it is not so if that's surprising. the case then why do it because because jesus said to do it that that has been the jesus says to love your neighbor we don't do that <laughs> burn mike mic drop and the podcast peace out <laughs> No, but I, I believe it or not, I've had these discussions with other denominations, and, and for them, that, that you know, it's like, I, I, I've asked, I've then said, well, why do you bother? Why, why yep. do it? Well, because Jesus did tell us to do it. And I'm like, well, don't you think maybe there's a reason behind why Jesus wants us to do it? And in John's gospel, like I said, I mean, if we're tying this to the Eucharist, um, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood, um, and you will have eternal life, then there's something about it that is offensive to the 70 people that left him, that were following him. And like I said, so there's, there's something going on in it that is important enough that 
it's it's radical enough and it is spiritual enough that it scares people away. Yeah. And of course, for Luther, you know, and this is where you would get into kind of kind of. There's three ways in which you view the Eucharist. There's the Catholic way, um, which is the body and blood. Uh, actually, it's called transubstantiation. We love those words, don't we? I always I always mix up trans and con. Yeah, um, transubstantiation, where the wine and the bread actually become the blood and the body. Yep. And, and that is why if you ever go to a Catholic mass, um, number one, you are not allowed to touch the elements. No touchy-touchy. No touchy-touchy the elements um, because those are, are sacred elements. You will also notice that the priest will make sure um, that, that they, they scoop up every little bit of bread if they actually use bread. Um, and we'll put it in the chalice and drink it and, and make sure every bit is gone. Drink all the floaties. Drink all of it, and you drink all of the wine. And um, so that's why they kind of went to wafers. And for a long time, a lot of the church did not even do um, the wine part because they were afraid of it spilling. Because, uh. you know, what happens when you spill Jesus? You know, that's, that's being that, 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 that sacredness of, yeah. of it. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum is where most Protestants fall, uh, which is the symbol. And we kind of treat it, yeah, whatever, you know, we take it whenever, you know, because Jesus told us to do it. And then there's Lutherans. And we fall kind of in between. We've got this weird um, consubstantiation where we determine, um, as Luther put it, the bread is still bread because when you take a bite of it, it still tastes like bread. It doesn't taste like flesh. Thank goodness. Yep. Um, <laughs> Unless it tastes like steak. Yeah. Um, and when you drink wine, it still tastes like wine. It does not have that coppery taste of blood, you know, when you bit the inside of your cheek or whatever. What, if, what, if, what if the body, what if it actually would be little steak bites with a chaser of wine? Did, did what? Little, little steak bites instead of steak bread. Steak bites? Yeah. <laughs> instead of wine, or instead of bread. Because he didn't say he was the meat of life. He said he was the said meat flesh. Of life. I, know, I know. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Anyway, um, the, point, the point being, and of course this is all tied back to wilderness stuff, where, you know, manna in the wilderness um, and, and all of that kind of uh, God providing, et cetera. I, I mean, cetera. God, or, or Jesus did throw some shade, right? Like, they ate man and they died. Yeah. Me? Forever. But anyway, in the Lutheran church, the way in which we, we look at it with this um, is it, it, the wine stays wine, the bread stays bread, but... Jesus is all up in there. Christ is present spiritually within it. And what is the purpose of communion? According to Luther... I don't know. I'm pulling a Marge. Forgiveness of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Um, which is why the given for you is such an important part of what we, we say. Um, is the forgiveness of sins part uniquely Lutheran? Um, it is not uniquely Lutheran. Because... I think the Catholic Church, again, kind of, the, the, that's part of the sacrifice is for forgiveness, but... 
Um, I think the, I, the the symbolic portion of it for other Protestants is yes, it's for forgiveness of sins. It's so we remember remembrance the of the forgiveness of the, right, 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 right. That's what I was going to say. In the Lutheran Church, we believe it, it, there's a tangible reality attached to the ingesting of the bread and the wine. So I think you need to clarify the we as Lutherans, because there's like tons of Lutherans in our pews. That, that ain't there. Lutheran theology. There you go. Sorry. Lutheran theology that our people in the pews may or may not know about. Right. Like I said, I, more people have, in, yeah. in discussions about communion, have... So, so when I teach about communion, um, back when we actually did like new member classes instead of our meet and greet that we do now, I used to talk about the differences in communion. And one of the ways I talked about it was um, to talk about how, uh, if you remember Ezekiel, the prophet, and he was told to eat a scroll. Yep. And, you know, it, it tasted like honey because it was sweet. You know, because the scroll, what is the scroll? Well, it is the word of God. Um, and, sweet. You know, he, he, he brings it in, but then it turns bitter in your stomach and all that kind of stuff because, you know, there's... Sometimes when you, you, you take all that in, there's, there's judgment and other things that go on. Right. But, um, and, and the same thing happens in my favorite book, um, the book of Revelation. There's the eating of the scroll again because it's the ingesting of the word of God. It's taking it within yourself, which means you're internalizing it. So for us, what's going on in communion is very similar. It's a tangible thing. We actually physically eat take within ourselves and it becomes a part of our body um, that the forgiveness of sins is actually being taken within. Um, this is kind of the whole thing behind Luther and sacraments is that there has to be a physical element along with the command to do it. And the physical element is a tangible reality where it's not for God's sake it's for our sake. It's, it's for the, the, us to be able to grab hold of something, have something tangible, not just kind of floating out here, and to say, nope, this, this, this is, here's my Jesus. This is yeah. my Jesus. This is my, my, how I'm going to um, internalize Jesus. I'm going to physically eat, eat it. I'm going to take it within me. And that's what we think there's that spiritual reality of actually taking it within ourselves physically that is fairly unique to the Lutheran church. In but terms not Lutheran of the people. Yeah. So my question, my questions, I think, get me in trouble. Um, so, my, okay. so my question Do we do it too much that... Can you be forgiven too much? Right. But, correct. So, so I agree with that. So I, I say that, I, I ask this question as someone who advocates for weekly communion. Didn't used to be a thing, is now, because of that, because we... When I, mean, I first got I mean, literally, we take communion before we leave the church. We may have sinned. Yeah. Like... When I first started here, it was an every other week thing. It was right. the first and third or the second and fourth. In some places, it was on once service. a month or yeah. I know some congregations will 
will do it every week, but they'll rotate by service. Mm -hmm. So like, well, this that's, is... That's how we did it. We did it every week, but it depended, the right. it depended on the service. Right. Yeah. Um, and we, we changed that um, right before you got here. Wasn't my wasn't my decision. No. And I, and I don't. I, I probably would have been a. I probably would have been team communion every week. But I asked the question because is it one more thing that has just become rote? Right. Right. So. We take it so for granted because we do it every... This, this, I think this is a good analogy for Valentine's Day. How many, how many couples take their spouses for granted because they wake up next to them every day? They do, they, you know what I mean? It's like it's the person you literally spend your life with and you, and you take for granted the fact that... Like, so... Like, I, 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 I'm going to stop you, though, for a second. Okay. Because, so here's my question. Um, do we take for granted the sermon and say, well, we get a sermon every week? Yeah, people do don't listen. We I mean, say, people don't you listen. You know what? Then. We get scripture every week. That's you a good point. What? We, no, get, that... we sing a song, you know, a couple songs every week. Does that become... Maybe some of those things we shouldn't. Stop preaching. There you go. I mean, I mean, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, my, my point being is why right. do we focus on communion as being the thing that becomes, quote, rote? Right. That's a, that's a great question. And, um, and, and so my, my thing is, well, maybe we need to examine all of it, right? Like, what if, it, what if, what if it's sermon time, right? So... Scripture gets read. I feel like Scripture being read should be something that's foundational. Um, the other stuff I think could, I'd be willing to discuss. Mm -hmm. um, so, sermon or the the text is read, the Bible reading is read, and instead of um, instead of preaching, we hand out supplies to make kits for the homeless. I, something like that. I don't know. Um, you know, does that... H have you ever been impact? to a Shabbat service? So, um, a, um, uh, I have not. A, a Jewish um, Sabbath service. I have not. So... Not, not, well, not authentically. Right. We, um, did, we did one in seminary. And it was fairly, it was, it was, it was led by our Jewish studies teacher. So, I mean, it was authentic, right, right. but not, you know what I mean? Um, did the rabbi kind of, did, did they give a sermon? Nope. What'd they do? My recollection, it was reading and there was a tangible act. I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. So, so the experiences I've had with um, uh, synagogues, um, temples, going to a Shabbat service is um, much more, it's a conversation with yeah. the rabbi. Yeah. Um, now, I have, I have had ones where I've gone where there have been just a message. Um, when I lived in Lincoln, um, I went to one one time. 
and it was more of just a message. Um, here, there has been more of the, the rabbi kind of starts asking questions, and it's a conversation, and they, they, they have discussion. Right. And I sometimes wonder if that's not kind of what Jesus did when he was in the synagogue. Oh, I Because his yeah. sermons tended to take place out elsewhere when yeah. he would like do the Beatitudes, you know, Sermon on the Mount, that kind of thing. Would he give speeches? Well, it's, it's what, you, what do you go to the place for? When, when he would go to the synagogue, he would do the reading and then usually make some kind of pronouncement and sit down. <laughs> and then people would be like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, you know, this, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. But, and but sits down. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did, so rabbi, translated, means teacher. Mm -hmm. Teaching went on. Right. Was there more of an expectation of teaching, which I, I think is best done conversationally? Well, that's what rabbi means. Teacher. Right. That's what I mean. Yep. Um, as opposed to being being talked at. Um, well, the, the difference between being a teacher versus preacher. Right. And... So I... I I'm going to go back to something I said a couple of weeks ago that one of our members had a canary. Um, <laughs> what if we rip out the pews? Oh. So, our, so I was talking with a colleague of ours in Vero Beach and... I don't know how it came up in, it was like, it's called a God thing. I came up in discussion and said, yeah, I said, during COVID when sanctuary was closed, uh, we raised $7,000 or $4,000 or whatever and ripped out our pews and put in chairs. But, oh, really? Interesting. Interesting. Is that all it costs? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we now have ballpark figure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I... If, if pews are limiting in what you can do in, in a worship space, right? It's really hard to have, a, have people have discussions in pews. Yeah. It's hard to have discussions. It's hard to get in and out of if you're in the middle. Yep. Yep. Hmm. About and there are other people who, who would say it would not feel like church without the pew. Because your ass is what determines whether or not it's church, right? Right. <laughs> well, this is where my butt goes, so this must be church. Yeah. So you kind of wonder where, you know, I, so now I have this really curious thing about when pews began being a thing. Like, like how far back in, in... You know, is it, is it temple era or is it past that into just Christian churches? Is it in synagogues? Where did, where did pews come from, I wonder, in worship spaces? So uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have to try and figure that out. Because I'm sure you, know you me I, I, I knew that was the next statement. Because <laughs> you know me. I'm going yeah. to have to figure that out now. Yeah. She'll be um, down that rabbit hole for an hour. <laughs> but anyway I'll get a text message tonight did you know that in 1785 the first pews were installed in blah blah <laughs> well because so I learned something interesting it was, like the, it was like the guacamole text I got last night well I learned Bowl. something interesting this week though that I did not really I mean it's one of the I don't think it just ever registered but they used to do baptisms without clothes on yeah, I saw that. 
<laughs> I didn't see that. I saw that. Well, it, it had to do on with social this media. Whole, whole. There was some big brouhaha about modesty and that kind of stuff, um, and the the modesty of how women are told to dress or whatever. And somebody pointed out, you realize that all of the quote modesty stuff is about wealth. It's about don't wear gold, don't wear jewels, don't wear these kinds of things that are um, a status sort of symbol in church. And somebody else was pointing out that actually there were, there were letters that were being written um, complaining about Christians and their public nudity. Because they did public baptisms. So I yeah. am, I am currently praying to God <laughs> that a member of my former congregation does not listen to this podcast. Okay. Be because he's a proclaimed naturalist. Gotcha. Uh, and, um, and he, yeah. And, well, and, and actually asked if asked what I would do if he came to if he showed up at church naked. Or no, right, actually, just I believe showing he said, up naked was not the, the, the right. deal. It well, was, this was an actual, there was a, the, the something going on. You I love this guy to death, but he's a loophole seeker. Yeah, yeah. No, this, this Could was I be baptized just, every week? Yeah. You didn't get to just come, come to church and, and, and have no clothes on. I, um, I mean, for, for obvious reasons, having been a father who has bathed three infants, like I wouldn't even be in favor of uh, baptizing babies uh, naked just because I know what sometimes happens when babies are in water. And, and <laughs> I, 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 the Greek Orthodox do it, though. Uh, they, they, they just they, they, they plop those little, little babies in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, but, yeah. I mean, and, but it's kind of one of those things. You know, here's, you know, I go back and look at the history of things. This is what I do. Um, because I, I, I find these things fascinating. And, and the things we take for granted now, and we assume this is how it's always been. Right. This is how we've always done it, kind right. of thing. Recognizing that, that's how, that's always how do done it may just be the past 20 years. Right. Um, your your tradition that you're holding on to likely has um, a very new kind of... Um, has a nude kind of yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. It was during the medieval times when people got much more prudish that we began having to wear robes and stuff like that when doing baptisms. So um, that that was not the original way in which which things were done, but it's how how we tend to think about them, how we tend to see our traditions. Um, but yeah, so. I think we got off track here with uh, <laughs> I was just thinking we went we really don't want to talk about bread of life because we're talking about nude baptism. <laughs> well, it's all sacraments. But, it's all yeah. sacraments. You know, we got well, eating flesh, drinking blood. It's a, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenging text. Like uh, back to the text a little bit at least. Yeah. Um that I you know, I I kind of think that we what Jesus was really trying to do, I think, um, was make this even more personal and really push for that embodiment of God, that, mm -hmm. that whole idea of, you know, take it in with all of your being. Yeah. Um, and we don't do that. No. Like, We're afraid I, of that. We so I know, I know Jim, our, our 
our organist, Cantor, whatever his title is, he's like, well, it's meant to be experienced with all the senses. We should have incense and, blah, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I mean, I'm not an incense kind of guy. Um, it, it can trigger migraines. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I just, like, part of it for me is... I don't know that we ex- I don't know that we come to worship and experience deeply with our senses. Well, and 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 so the the, the incense the the whole background behind that is of course whenever God dwelt and was present in the tabernacle or the temple, there was always a cloud of smoke. Right. That that, that was how you knew God was there. So there was this cloud, and part of that cloud was the incense. The incense burned in front of the the Holy of Holies because you could never come to God without some kind of barrier between you. Right. And and, and the incense, the smoke, was, was something of a barrier that made it possible to approach the throne of God. Right. Because it was... To look upon God would be, you know, usually was you were going to die or something if you saw him in all his glory, etc. Um, but interestingly, um, that was kind of the point of the curtain and, all, you know, all of those things. And sort of Christian theology is Jesus is now all of that. He, he, he is all of that. Um, so that barrier is no longer there. It's no longer necessary. So it's interesting that we do, and, and in a lot of Christian traditions, when I was in Egypt, the Coptic churches still had kind of a holy of holies around their altar that only the priest could enter, and it had a curtain around it. And I remember asking my, my um, instructor who I was over there with, I said, well, didn't the curtain come down with Jesus? So wasn't that the whole point, was now we all have access and we don't ha- need that barrier? And he kind of smiled and said, do you want to go ask him? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to take on the Coptic priest. Um, <laughs> you know, challenge their, their 2,000 years of tradition. Um, but it, you kind of get some of that, I think, in the Catholic Church, too, where it's that, that sort of separateness um, and, and, and the reality is, you know, all of those things, the incense, etc., was all part of the barrier. And we kind of keep some of it because of the, just it's the tradition of, of the temple um, and what happened in the temple. Um, you know, candles representing the, the, the presence of God and all of that kind of stuff. And so we still ha- we keep those things because, you know, they have that long, long history tradition, but we don't consider some of the changes that, that happened with Jesus in that really the, the point of the incense is, as that barrier is gone, however, as being representative of the presence of God, yes, that symbolically, et cetera, can still kind of be there in terms of God is present because we know God is present in the spirit because Jesus told us anywhere ever two or more are gathered, he would be there with us. So um, 
yeah, it's just all, all of that kind of stuff is very fascinating in terms of how it has developed um, and our theology of it and our bringing it in to ourselves and making it just not part of our worship experience, but then how do we make it a part of our everyday life, our everyday mm -hmm. spirituality? Right. So, so how does communion, when you walk out those doors, what, what does that do? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, and, I, and I'll speak personally. Communion is meaningful, me, meaningful for me in that moment, but I can't say that it's something I take with me. Um, I, I, it's, it's hard also. Worship is different when you're a pastor. Very. Um, so I have found, for me, my, my worship within the church service is almost entirely musical because I don't have to do that. Right. You can sit back and... Mostly because I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, so I can, I, can, I can focus... Brittany says you're too hard on yourself. Um, I can focus on the music and the words and let it wash over me in ways that other parts of worship frequently don't because I'm focused on... Am I doing it right? <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's, you know, you're focused on leading it yeah. and, all, and all that goes into that. And, you know, and that's not to say that these things are not meaningful to me. Don't hear it that way. But I'm more focused on making, trying to make it meaningful for others that that level of, that makes it less mean, in, that, that in turn makes the experience less meaningful for me oftentimes. It's, it's harder to internalize it when you're up there yes. trying to make sure that other people are internalizing it yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that that sometimes people don't always get. Um, at the same time, part of why I kind of was like, yeah, sure, let me be a pastor here. Um, was I have a very difficult time sitting still in a service, which um, stems back to when I used to go with my mother and we used to sit and laugh in the pew and make the pew shake. Um, <laughs> we, I, I was, the, I was the, the, the parishioner that the pastor would glare at because we were making noise. So it's usually better for me to have something to do to participate in the worship service to keep me out of trouble. Yeah. So that's, that's usually, um, I, I, I want to be, be busy doing something during the service because I get myself into trouble. Um, I don't know that that's a good thing. I mean, I think I need to probably, one of the things I need to learn more of is the sitting still. Yeah. And just being. And I don't do that very often. I have done it. But it's usually been in times when um, I have some pretty extreme emotional things going on. That's usually when I wind up just sitting and being still. I find I'm two, two elements are, are helpful for me. 
three elements. Darkness, candles, and music. Yes. Darkness, candles, music. Those elements for me... Um, I cannot sit still during a praise service. I, I got to be up doing stuff because there's too much energy. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think you're meant to at, that, at those yeah. services. Yeah, I, I, there's too much energy for, for me to and just and I think, sit. And I think the praise service, if it's done well, yeah. um, and, and it's particularly if it's a song that impacts me, I can, I can get around the, the light and the can't. But like for me, if you give me those three elements, and I'm probably, I'm good. Well, and I used to do um, sort of a midweek service that had a lot of candles and meditative kind of stuff. Um, I love those types of services. I do too. And, and for the same reason. It, it, it is the few t one of the few times I'm able to kind of just sort of stop and be still. Um, and, and soak it in because you get just, because so much of my life is not that, right. <laughs> I think is part of it. Um, but that's kind of, um, you know, going back to our question though of what does communion mean outside these walls? When, once we've taken it in, we say the whole point is to internalize it. So I would I would love for it to be this is gonna be this is gonna be crude. Um, I would love for communion to be internalized and then thrown back up. <laughs> I know I, what you're saying. I, I know what crude. you're saying. Internalize as in you take it in and then you go share that. You go share that forgiveness. You go share that peace with everyone and, and that's not necessarily what happens. But but it's what's supposed to. Right. It's supposed that forgiveness is supposed to be so life changing that you go out and you live it. Yeah. You live as forgiven, redeemed people who then go out and... Um, hey, this week the podcast was way better than the sermon. <laughs> I don't know. Doritos, no. man. I mean, I mean, I mean no. This, I mean, this is, this, is a, this is a good discussion. Um, I mean, ultimately, I don't... It plays differently, right? in a podcast and it does in a sermon. Well, we a, we, a, we have more time in a podcast. Yeah. Um, because if you're trying to get into some really deep theology on a um, Sunday morning. It's hard. It, it's hard. In, in a 15-minute yeah. window, 12 to 15 minutes, boom, you know, trying to cover some of those things, some of those questions. Um, because what we're able to do in a podcast is have back and forth. Yeah. And again kind of the way in which we're structured for our worship is we don't get a lot of that back and forth. I mean, we don't have a lot of discussion. And even if you and I try to do that with the parishioners, they're not conditioned to it. And they sit there with kind of deer in the headlights. What do you mean? Yep. Um, and, and, and aren't going to give us the feedback that would be necessary to kind of get that going. Right. Um, now, that doesn't mean that can't be changed. It's just it's going to take time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I think we're about at our time. I got no more bread. You what? I got no more bread. You got no more bread. Got no more bread to give. We are done with the bread. Next, <laughs> next week's living water. So. <laughs> bread already, and water. Yeah, well, I already kind of you know, looked at it and I was like, wow, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever appreciated until I started doing this um, lectionary, 
how much the Gospel of John goes back and pulls in stuff that's already happened. And we get Nicodemus again. Mm -hmm. We get living water again. I think it's meant that way. Yes, like, it is. Like, I mean, and, and I tied this week, I don't want to go back to the whole sermon, but I tied this week, you're really, it, everything is building, right? So, yep. you know, this following of Jesus, following of Jesus, following Jesus, and then Jesus is like, hey, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Yeah, peace out. Yeah, but, but no, that's but, what it is doing. Yeah, there's we'll, a lot of build. We'll get to that um, for next week's, but it, it, it really is. It's pulling on, and, and that's what John's gospel is doing, is it's building on where it's kind of these one-on-one -on -one encounters, and now it's... A bigger encounter and that's where the resistance starts happening right but we'll talk more about that next week water living water come to me if you are thirsty goes back to isaiah 55 i am thirsty yep ho <laughs> bye person, everybody my person who texted me saying they loved the fact that um, we started off talking about hoes um, when we did the Isaiah text you get to hear it again next week probably anyway alright peace out bye, we'll everybody. talk to you next, next week bye bye <laughs>